You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome you to our next lesson in James. We're looking at a verse-by-verse study. Uh, This lesson, we're looking at chapter 4, verse 13 through verse 17. So open your Bibles to chapter 4 of James, and we're going to get started. James begins chapter 4 by talking about this war that we've got going on with God. Then James ends chapter 4 talking about the will of God for our life. There are two themes that are interrelated here. Number one, when a believer is out of the will of God... When a believer is not in God's will for his life, then that person has a problem with God. They're they're a troublemaker. There's no peace in their life. We talked about last week in our lesson the war that's going on that people have with others. There's quarrels. James talks about we don't get along with other people. That always comes from the fact you're not getting along with yourself. There's a war inside you, and that manifests itself with your war with other people around you. You're in a war with other people because you're in a war within yourself, and you're in a war within yourself because we're in a war with God. Many people are just in a war with God. They believe God's done them wrong. They believe God hadn't been fair to them. They're mad at God for some reason, and they're in a war with God. I'm just telling you, God's love is for you, and because of His love, He wants the best for you. There's no sense in being at war with God over His will for your life. God's will for your life is so perfect while many people are afraid of God's will. Too many people look at God's will as like some bad medicine they have to take. Let me just tell you, God's will for your life will make you the happiest and make you the most fulfilled you could possibly be. God created you. He created you with gifts and talents and abilities. And when you begin to use those giftings and talents that God has created you with... For his glory, to honor him in accordance to with his will for your life, man, you get fulfilled in life. You get full of peace. You get full of joy. It's when you're out of God's will for your life that you got all kinds of problems in your life. Well, let's get started in James chapter 4. Let's begin here. James chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 13. Look, here you say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there. We'll make a profit. How do you know that your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. Well, let's look at this section of James and talk about this. In this section that we just read, we see three attitudes that we can have toward God's will. Number one, you can just flat ignore God's will. You just ignore God's will. Number two, you can disobey God's will. Or number three, you can obey God's will. You can ignore it, You can disobey it, or you can obey God's will. Let's look at these three. The first attitude, we can ignore God's will. 
Look in verse 13, look in verse 14, verse 16. You know, discussing business deals and boasting about your plans, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stay here for a year. There's no evidence that that person has ever sought God's will or prayed about these decisions. They're just blowing and going, I'm doing this, and I'm going to do that. And James talks about four arguments that reveal the foolishness of ignoring God's will. First of all, we just ignore God's will. And so James talks about the foolishness of doing that. Number one, look in verse 13, the complexity of life. Think about all that's involved in today and in tomorrow and buying and selling and gaining and losing. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this for a whole year. There's a lot of things that's got to happen in that time. And life is very complex. And for you just to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, you don't know. Apart from God's will, apart from God's will in your life, you don't know what the next day holds for you. The next thing is life is very uncertain. It's just very uncertain. Proverbs 27, 1 says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. These businessmen here that James is talking about, they're making plans for a whole year. I'm going to do this. and You can't see what tomorrow holds for you. The uncertainty of life. We're going here. We're going to stay here. We're going to do this. Life is not uncertain to God, but it is to us. Right now in this time that we're in today, with this coronavirus and all the problems that we're looking at, we don't know what the end result of this is. We don't know that God knows the end. God knows how all this is going to work out, and God is going to see us through. The thing I want to do is be in God's will, because outside of that, there's just a lot of uncertainties in life. And especially for us right now, being quarantined to our home, there's just a lot of uncertainties in our life now more than ever. I sure want to be in God's will for my life because God can see the end of this. God can see the outcome. God can see down the road where I can't. It sure is good to know that I'm in the will of God who can see the end of all this mess that we're in right now. The third argument that reveals the foolishness of running from or being afraid of the will of God is the shortness of life. I mean, it's like a fog. I mean, life is just, boy, you're in the scope of eternity. Boy, your life here is not very long. It's very foolish. It's very foolish for you to act like you're in control of your life when we're just here for a little blimp on the screen compared to all eternity. James has given us really four arguments revealing the foolishness of ignoring God's will. Number one, life is very complex. You don't want to ignore God's will because life is too complex. Number two, life is too uncertain. I don't want to be out of God's will and just ignore God's will because life is very uncertain for us in the natural, in the physical. We can't see what tomorrow holds. Life is uncertain. So it's mandatory that we be in God's will for our life. Number three, life is short. In the scope of eternity, life is very short. And the fourth argument for following God's will and not ignoring it, James gives us, is the frailty of man. I mean, man boasting on he's going to do this and he's going to do that. How foolish it is for people to ignore the will of God. 
My goodness, our life is just like a fog, it says here in James. It's, just, it's very frail. It's very fragile. Once again, this coronavirus that we're in really lets us know how fragile life is for us. You better not be so cocky and arrogant and confident. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Say, God, I need your will in my life. God, I need your will in my life. We're talking about here in James three attitudes that we can have toward God's will. Number one, you can just ignore God's will, and that's very, very foolish. It's very, very foolish because life is complex, life is uncertain, life is short, and life is very frail. Very foolish to ignore God's will. Secondly, we can disobey God's will. He says, verse 17, these people know the will of God, but they just choose not to obey it. You didn't ignore the will of God. You know what God's will is. You know what God would have you to do. You know what God would not want you doing. You understand God's will for your life, but you just chose to disobey it. I am just going against God's will for my life. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Verse 21. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness, than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. Wow. You don't want to know God's will and then just not do it. You, you, you don't want to be in a place of disobeying God. First of all, people ignore God's will. But then there are those that know God's will. They've just chosen to dis, deliberately disobey God's will. You know... The will of God is not something to run from. The will of God is not something to avoid. And I want to go over and over this again. God created you. He knows what will make you happy. He knows what will make you fulfilled. You have giftings that God birthed you with. And when you get in the will of God, you're using those giftings in accordance to God's will. That's where happiness is. Well, we just so stiff-arm God's will. God's not going to call you to be a missionary in Africa when you hate snakes, you hate sleeping in tents, you hate eating bugs. I mean, God's not going to call you to Africa to be a missionary. God calls people to Africa to be a missionary who like snakes, who like camping out. who li See, God puts you where you are suited the best. God has a call on your life, but it's where you are gifted to fulfill that call. We want to run from God's will because He's going to ruin my life. He's going to put me in some place that will make me miserable and unhappy. God's not going to put you in a place that will make you miserable and unhappy. God's going to call you to a place that's in accordance to the way He created you. Submitting yourself to God's plan and purpose is the way to bring peace and happiness in your life. Now, there are three attitudes that James says that we can walk in. Number one, we just ignore His will. Number two, you can know His will and just choose to disobey it. Or, number three, you can obey God's will. He talks about this in verse 15. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Obeying God's will. 
I only want to do what God has called me to do. Even Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 34, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and finishing His work. At the end of Jesus' life, He said, Boy, I don't want to go through this, God, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus demonstrated to us that your life on this earth is to be lived fulfilling God's plan for you. The Apostle Paul, he didn't consider the will of God a chain for his life that was holding him down. As a matter of fact, he looked at the will of God as the key to opening doors that set him free. This world has such a negative connotation of God's will and the rules that he has for you. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. And We've got a negative connotation of rules. and In some way or another, we're going to have to turn this around in our minds. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, if you're a pedestrian, you sure are happy about rules that tell the cars don't drive on the sidewalk. We love rules. Uh, there's a famous steakhouse right now that advertises on TV, no rules, just right, no rules. Like rules are a negative thing. I want you to know rules are not a negative thing. All of us depend on rules to live and survive. Every time you get in the car, you hope everybody out there on the highway is obeying the rules. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'll just drive my car right through this stoplight. Well, I want people obeying rules. Rules are a good thing. Look at every area of life. The musician does not just bang on the keyboard. The musician is limited by the rules of the chromatic scale. The ball player. I'll just take my ball and go running off. No, no, no. The ball player is limited to the lines on the court of the basketball court. The football player is limited to the lines on the sideline and the end zone lines. See, boundaries and rules. We can't play a ball game if we don't have rules. When kids get in the backyard and say, let's play a ball game, what's the first thing they do? That bush over there is out of bounds. That bush over there is out of bounds. Down there is the touchdown line. The bumper of this car. See, you've got to set boundaries for you to do anything in life. The driver of the car submits himself to the rules of the road. When is the train freer? Is the train freer when it is confined to the tracks or when it jumps off the tracks and goes bouncing around out through the woods? That's the way people are living their life. You don't realize this oftentimes, but when you confine yourself to God's will for your life, then you are like a train that's running down the tracks. You don't want to jump off the tracks and start driving your train out through the woods. It won't work. It won't work. I'm not going to obey the speed limit. I'm not going to obey the laws. I'm driving my car where I want to. Well, you can't drive your car up on the sidewalk and not obey the stop signs and the yield signs and pedestrians in the crosswalk signs. And and the one that gets to the intersection first, he's the one that has the right of way. There are rules that we live with, yet we act like God's rules for our life are designed to ruin our life and keep us from having any kind of fun. God's will is not out to destroy you. God's will is not out to keep you from having any fun in your life. God's will is to bring blessings and abundance and joy and prosperity in your life. 
Now, the key to knowing God's will for your life is being willing to obey God's will for your life. God does not reveal His will when you are unwilling to obey God's will. When you come to a place in your life where you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and I submit my will to you, then you begin to get a hold of what God's will is for your life. God begins to reveal His will for your life. It's wrong for you to want to know God's will about some matter and not want to know God's will about other matters. You know, it's amazing. We want to submit to God and say, God, we need a good job. We ask for your will to be done in my job. But then we don't want to submit to God's will when it comes time to choose the movie that we're going to watch. When it comes time to choose what we're going to look at on the Internet, on our computers, then we don't want God's will. But whenever we got somebody that's sick and they need a healing, then, oh, God, we want your will. Let me tell you, the key of knowing God's will is to be submitting to God's will. It's not a buffet line where you choose what part of God's will you want for your life. You don't choose what part of God's will you want and then choose to walk away from God's will whenever you get ready to walk away. God, I want your will on Sunday morning, but on Friday night, I want to do my own thing. God's will doesn't work like that. You submit yourself to God's will. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for you is good, it's pleasing and perfect. Well, how do I do that? How do I get in God's will? You get in God's will by not copying the behavior and the customs of the world, but allowing God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When God's transformation process takes place in your life, then you will know God's will for your life. That word there, know, or some of your translations say prove God's will. That word is by experience. It means you will know or you will prove God's will by experience. That's what that Greek word means. When we learn God's will, we learn it by working at it. I begin to work at doing God's will, and I learn God's will through my experiences day in and day out. There's just a lot of benefits of doing God's will. Mark chapter 3 tells us that you will enjoy a deeper fellowship with God when you submit to His will. John chapter 7 says that you will have the privilege of knowing His will. First John says when you're knowing God's will, you'll begin to see your prayers answered. There's a lot of benefits to doing God's will. Seeing your prayers answered. A quality of life. A peace in life. Another benefit of doing God's will... Matthew chapter 25 is the expectation of the reward of the return of Jesus whenever he comes back again. Where you are right now, there are three possible attitudes that you can have toward God's will. 
First of all, you can totally ignore God's will. Second choice is you can know God's will, but you can just disobey it. Or thirdly, you can submit to God's will for your life. Totally ignore God's will, or know God's will and just not do it, disobey, disagree, run from God's life and be disobedient to what God has for you, or come to a place in your life where you totally submit to God's will. I can tell you, you'll never find any peace in your life with those first two. You'll never find any joy in your life ignoring God's will or disobeying God's will. The joy and the peace you're looking for in your life today, it comes from submitting your life to God's will. I want to end, I want to end with this verse. Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Psalms chapter 40, verse 8. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written in my heart. Today, don't run from God's will. God created you, and God's will for you is what will bring you the joy and the happiness that you're looking for in life. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.